0: I'm speaking with composer vivek madala whose uh, music has graced some amazing films across all genres including great work on documentaries like american revolutionary the evolution of grace lee boggs and awake the life of uh yogananda uh, vivek has entered uh, a completely different world now with the tom and jerry show which is a modern incarnation of the classic hanna-barbera cartoon that premiered in 1940. Uh, vivek thanks so much for speaking today so great to chat again
1: glad to be with you
0: so I know we did an interview a few years ago but I'd love to kind of revisit your background and kind of the story sure. of how you entered or how music entered your life and at what point I guess what was the catalyst that put you on the path to becoming a film and TV composer yeah
1: um well i I've been writing music since I was a small child um, I think I was seven when I started like in earnest writing music um, and um, I my life kind of took me in two different paths I was you know, a pretty serious musician, but then I was also I had a, a good background in math and physics, and um, I went to music school first at at Berkeley, but then I ended up uh, going to engineering school, and I studied uh, electrical engineering and economics as an undergrad, and then went to graduate school in electrical engineering and applied physics, and and was all set to to basically have a career as a as an engineer and a scientist and in fact I did um for a while um but all the all the while I was you know playing in bands and and recording and writing and um eventually um in 2000 there was a national competition for film scoring and the um grand prize was um Kind of a one-off movie deal with Warner Brothers through Turner Classic Movies it was for for scoring a, a silent film restoration, and so I entered the competition and I won the grand prize and and I scored my first feature. Wow. That led to five more features, I believe, through this uh, through Turner Classic Movies. Mm-hmm. I sort of became like a quasi-resident composer for a while, and. Um, and that's kind of what kicked it off. And then I, uh, in two thousand eight, I um, did the Sundance film scoring. I got the uh, film scoring fellowship through the Sundance Institute, and um, that kind of moved me a little, steered me a little more into independent films, which is really something I was already doing and interested in. But um, yeah, so I mean, there were a few different kinds of, kinds of knees in the curve, as it were, um, and and my path was rather circuitous because I did pursue something else in parallel to music and, and was actually quite successful in doing that for a while. But but the entire time, I I felt like what I really wanted to do was write music. Um, you know, even though I was quite a successful engineer and scientist and doing some pretty interesting and cutting-edge work, it it didn't feed my soul in the way that writing music does.
0: So so you, so you, you, you were on a path to becoming really rich and really power you know an engineer and decided to go with the career that is the hardest
1: <laughs> um well yeah no, I mean it, wasn't, it was never about about money right exactly
0: I know that's always the best part I mean you see something like that and it's like I know it's just amazing how music and artistic expression speaks to us and it's like okay this is a career path that is completely defined and set and then it's like no this is what means something you know
1: yeah and 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 the thing is I, I was always doing it in parallel and um it, it's very f- it's funny there's there's an interesting article I read about uh Walter Becker a few years ago I think it was in Rolling Stone magazine Walter Becker was the bass player and guitar player from Steely Dan I don't oh, know if you remember Yeah yeah um so he, depending on the track he was either playing guitar or or bass and the interviewer asked him okay, so are you really a guitar player or are you really a bass player? Like, do you, is, do you lean more in one direction or the other? And his answer, his answer was, I, I thought, kind of interesting. He said whenever he was playing bass, he felt like he was really a guitar player who just happened to be playing bass at the time. And whenever he was playing guitar, he felt like he was really a bass player who just happened to be Whenever he was doing one, he felt like he should have been doing the other. Right. And that was kind of me. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was in engineering school and when I was working as a, as a scientist, I... Um, you know like i always had just melodies kind of pouring out of me and i was always tapping out rhythms and like i just that's really what i wanted to do was to make music every time when i was in the lab when i was you know solving differential equations really my mind was was in music and um and interestingly when i was in music school um i did feel a little bit of pressure or, or i did feel compelled in some way to to do something maybe a little more cerebral right but what's interesting about film scoring is i feel like to some extent it, it it exists at the intersection of these things because when you're writing when you're scoring a film to a large extent you're solving a prop you're solving a series of problems in addition to writing music you're actually sort of decoding um sort of meta messages as it were from the director and and the editor and the producer you're 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 interpreting what they want to say you're you're um, solving dramatic problems that the picture and the characters are posing, um, and and you have to do it creatively. And so, you know, there are a lot of parallels. Absolutely.
0: Um, and I also think music has a similar very kind of, you know, music <clears throat> has a set structure. It's very kind of mathematic in that way where you have almost equations to solve and, and using those kind of and notes are kind of the numbers, um, but you can create a, so many different outcomes from them instead of just, you know, one fixed answer. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it's true. Although, you know, frankly, when when writing music, um, at least my experience is it's it is pretty visceral, mm-hmm. and and by that I mean, for me, it's it's pretty much exclusively visceral. I mean, you know, it's we can, you know, after you've written a piece of music, you can go back and and analyze it and deconstruct it and look at the underlying perhaps mathematical architecture. Right. But no, I don't think anybody maybe people do but i I don't have any experience with actually writing music analy- from an analytical place um uh, you know uh, I make choices based on artistic expression and and how it how how it makes me feel and how I want to steer the the listener from an emotional standpoint um so while it's true that that you know you can you can find things you can find mathematical structures Fibonacci series and various various things um you know, go back to Euclidean geometry and so on, you can find those structures embedded within music theory. Um, I I don't actually think about those things. I
0: mean, yeah, music is an emotional response. And um, so when you approach a project, I mean, no matter what it is, I mean, and it's literally the starting point of your writing process, where does that first uh, note come from? Is there something uh, specific you look at to pull that first note out of you? Do you watch the film? Uh, and maybe tinker on the piano while the picture's on, on your monitor? Or do you watch the film completely with your hands in your lap and then try to write something after you've reflected on it? I mean, is there kind of a process you have, or does it just depend on what you're working on? Um,
1: it's I would say it's... Um, I do have a process, although I'm not that rigid about it. Uh-huh. Generally, I, I do watch the the film, um, and I, and I don't... I might be thinking about music in my head, or I might come up with things sort of spontaneously in my head. But I, I, I don't actually uh, sit with an instrument when I'm first watching the film. I, I'd rather kind of let it wash over me and kind of, uh, you know, marinate in the, in in the story and in the characters and in the structure, and um, and then you know, and then start to think about ideas. Um, and usually I try to find something about the characters that really. Um, that I find compelling mm-hmm. and and often that's where I start but you know there's also you know typically before I start I have a spotting session with the director
0: Right,
1: right. and um, you know when we talk about all sorts of things I, I I generally try to avoid talking about music with with directors I try to rather talk about characters and the, situ- the situations they're experiencing and how we want the audience to feel and what's working and what's not working um, and you know what is what does the the director want to convey to the audience right now that maybe is not being conveyed and and maybe that's something that music that's a function that that the music score can have. Um, it's It's a little different with um, like you know with Tom and Jerry with the the cartoon that I'm scoring, right. in that um, after the first few episodes, uh, I stopped having spotting sessions. And um, I pretty much Warner Brothers and, and certainly the director, they kind of let me do whatever I want, which is great. I mean, it gives me quite a, quite a bit of autonomy. Yeah. But also, I, I, we, we have a common understanding about what the show needs, and I sort of know what they, what sorts of things they like. And, and on occasion, I will bring things up with the director. So, um, you know, in the last couple of episodes, there were interesting new characters that were uh, introduced. Where there are references to, um, you know, English literature and other things that I wanted to clarify and, and find out if if some of these characters to be recurring characters, you know, I, I should write a theme that will then um, be threaded through the score and through subsequent episodes. And mm. you know, and if if there's going to be some kind of development with that character, it would be nice to be able to maybe plant some seeds now that'll pay off later in the season, that sort of thing. Um, but for the most part, um, I don't have spotting sessions. With uh, with the director on Tom and Jerry these days, um, but uh, it, that's quite different than than it is on on other TV series and and certainly on on films where there's quite a bit of interaction going back and forth. And one of the things I really like to do actually is to sit in the in the room with the director um, periodically when I'm and and perhaps the editor and producer, other interested parties, filmmakers, um, and uh, and actually sit in the same room and listen to the same stuff and breathe the same air and um you know kind of uh, absorb each other's energy I, I find that that can be valuable
0: right almost like watching it like i don't know when i when i present something i always like i'm like disembody myself and i kind of imagine the person next to me watching it i don't know if that makes sense it's just like, uh-huh. you're, you're like putting yourself in like i wonder you know and you're trying to almost like reacting to it as how you want them to react to it you know right
1: right <laughs> kind of imagine sure yeah
0: yeah yeah so so for tom and jerry you know i mean um one of the most iconic uh, characters in pop culture. And, and you know, the, the cartoon shorts from back in the 1940s when that premiered um, gave us so much amazing music. I mean, from composers like Scott Bradley, uh, who worked on the original Tom and Jerry, and then of course, uh, Carl Stalling, who worked on, you know, many Looney Tunes and Silly Symphony scores for Disney. So when you took over Tom and Jerry, what was the goal? I guess was the goal to keep in that tradition of the kind of Mickey Mousing type of scoring uh, that, that the genre is known for? Or did you try to find new ways... To tweak the approach for uh, this generation of audiences,
1: uh, both. So the early conversations I had with uh, Daryl Van Sitters, who was the director for all, all the episodes, um, definitely Scott Bradley and the the original nineteen forties style approach came up quite quite often, and they were definitely interested in that, and for good reason, because um, if you if you watch uh, particularly the first decade of the Tom and Jerry shorts from, you know, I think the first one came out in, uh, you mentioned 1940. I think it was, yeah, like something like December of 1940. Yeah. And, um, and that sort of, that generation continued, I think, into the fifties. Uh, if, if you watch those shorts and, and listen to those scores, they're, they're really remarkable. They're, they're beautiful. They're melodic, um, and, and clever. And, and so for good reason, I think they wanted to, um, you know, continue in that tradition. Um, Now, a lot has happened in the subsequent decades (laughs) (laughs) um, in terms of music, in terms of culture, in terms of a a lot of things, so we have a lot more to draw from now. Right. So while the music that I'm writing is fundamentally steeped in, you know, 19th century Romanticism and 20th century, you know, early 20th century types of uh, musical constructs, um, you know, Gershwin and the things that had been around, um, you know, I, I do have the ability to draw from things that are that are more recent and to to paint with more modern colors, um, and and I do actually, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, but fundamentally, I would say the music does uh, function in a similar way to the original series. I
0: mean it, it's the i mean i grew up watching those things and it's probably I mean probably the, the first movie i ever watched was fantasia i mean that's you know so, uh-huh. something there with just no dialogue and just music and images and in tom and jerry are of course known for not speaking and it's really you know right. the, the music carrying the action um So yeah, the music essentially follows the action and motion of the character. So you know, if someone falls or rolls or jumps, all those actions have to be mimicked in the music. So the music has to fall and roll or jump. Have you developed, I guess, techniques for what a what a fall or a jump should sound like? Have you kind of put that in like your reservoir of like, okay, that's that's what this fall is going to sound like. I mean, how do you create a fall or or you know, musically?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's it's all different because it's based um, it's sort of based on context and what's happening, and also at the same time. Um, these are not discrete musical gestures right. that, that um, can sort of, you can, you know, populate like you're putting together a, uh, you know, a puzzle or something. It's, um, there is, you know, there's, the score basically has m- like melody and counterpoint kind of all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're larger musical arcs. And so all of the, um, you know, Mickey Mouseing, as it were, uh, it happens within the context of what's of the larger musical picture. Um, so it, it depends on a, a variety of factors. I, I don't have uh, you know, I like guess a, a, a set of techniques that I, I'll use for a particular kind of physical action that, that needs to be tied to a musical event. Um, it's it, it can be any number of things. Um, you, you know, and 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 I'm continually trying to come up with new ways of doing it yeah. one it's more interesting for me and it's and then it's of course more interesting I think for the audience if if um you, these kinds of physical gestures are tied to different sorts of of musical events um but it's um I'm, I'm not sure if I'm really answering your question but it Oh yes you are <laughs> it, it it can't yeah but it can be any number of things um and um you know and I try to make it sort of inventive and clever and hopefully funny um one of the things about the the classic tom and jerry show from the 1940s is it wasn't you know the action uh, over, over subsequent generations of the show i think i think it developed a reputation for being very violent yeah. and um in fact like the itchy and scratchy spoof on the simpsons is basically mocking that right, right. what the ridiculous ridiculously violent show that tom and jerry became so the new show is actually more like the original um so the the you know the violence is more cartoonish and it's and the action uh is is frankly it's it's not that violent and, and interestingly sometimes tom and jerry who are ostensibly rivals do team up together to solve problems or to or to address something where they have a common interest, or you know, and um, and there are real you know moments of of sweetness and and things that you might not expect if you haven't seen the show in a while or if you're not familiar with the original series. Right, absolutely. So, um, so you know, a lot of the 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 music that's tied to physical action on on the screen, it, it really, frankly, could be anything. And one of the things that's kind of clever, or I think. That's that's fun about the new show is the ways in which the writers are layering um, or you know threading into weaving into the story various layers of allegory and references to things that are happening in pop culture or historical events that have happened or things um, that children may not appreciate. and you know, I mean, it is essentially a children's show, but my thinking is that the the writers realize that probably adults will have to be watching this show with children you know if you've got kids you're probably going to watch it with your kids and you'll be bored out of your mind if it's just the same old cat and mouse gag over and over so so there are all sorts of things that are kind of fun you know like in the last season there was uh, uh, Tom the cat he has his love interest in this one particular episode um, is a cat named Toodles, and she's a dancer and um, it turns out that there's a it's kind of a that's a little side plot but she it turns out she's a she she's a, a spot welder during the day like that's her day job and then she dances in clubs at night so obviously the spot welder that, how arbitrary is that right so obviously that's a flash dance reference right so you know and that again little kids are not going to get that reference but the adults some of them might
0: yeah
1: so it was an opportunity to weave in a little bit of like you know that sort of early 80s uh, Lindrum, you know, Michael Cimbello, maniac type of texture into parts of the score that, you know, might, might bring a smile to the, the, the face of someone who gets the reference. And there are all sorts of, you know, little things in the, in the story that, um, you know, again, that sometimes comment on, on current events or things that are things that are, you know, that wouldn't be appreciated by a child. And so those are opportunities to do things musically that, they could be kind of inventive or clever, so um, you know it's a it's a pretty broad canvas. And um, like I said, Warner's has been quite hands off in terms of allowing me to sort of do w- what I you know what I th- what I think makes sense, or um, you know, t- to um, challenge myself, or, or maybe maybe even even bend the rules a bit and do things that are unexpected because it, it can be fun. Right.
0: And I'm, I've always been curious, uh, did, is there ever any temp music in, in animation like this? Is it, do they? Maybe not now since you're, they're very hands-off, but when they first gave it to you, do they give you kind of a template of like, yeah, this is kind of what we've been editing to and what we've seen kind of the, the, the flow of the music, or is it pretty much, do they animate to nothing?
1: I think they animate to nothing. Um, I, I think it would be quite difficult to um, to temp... A show like this, in other words, to temp a show like this would require it would be so labor intensive that, um, I I don't I really don't know how they would do it. Now there are a number of episodes. There there's there's a number of um, so I mean so far this season I think there's four and there were a handful last season where um, they had me pre-score some things. So okay. um, they first sent me the um, the script and we talked about some ideas, and then um, they they would send me some sort of crude, animatic sort of storyboard um, drawings and some loose timing, and I did some pre-scoring um, that then they animated to, um, and on, on occasion they chopped and spliced <laughs> yeah. the pre-score, which... Was a little frustrating, but but it's fine, and um, and then I get that, and then I score, sometimes rescore, but sometimes I'm able to reuse some of the pre-score. Kind
0: of like tighten the bolts, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and um, and so that's happened a few times, especially if um, one of the things that they've done for the new season is it looks like they're at, they're in for some episodes they're adding songs. Oh, wow. So where it becomes like a musical. Now, Tom and Jerry never speak, but some of the ancillary characters do. And right. so on a, they, they might break into a song. And it's, you know, sort of like an old school Hollywood musical. And so that's a situation where obviously the song has to be written before they animate. And in fact, the voiceover actor or actors who, who are singing have to learn the song or at least be able to perform the song mm-hmm. um, during, during the um, – voiceover sessions and so um some of that has to has to happen first as well um but to answer your question directly i i don't think they're actually using any kind of temp other than something that i'm
0: right and that's why yeah that's why i kind of that makes the most sense to me it's like because some some of the the I guess the motion on screen is so tied to what the music would be. So to ha- have your music there first, I think makes a lot of sense.
1: But it's pretty rare. Like I said, um, for the most part, when they've had me pre score something, it's because there was, you know, a, a very particular kind of, um, you know, whether it's a song or. Um, you know, uh, maybe it's a dance number, and they just want to make sure that the tempo is going, that the the footballs will line up correctly. Right. You know, with the tempo. Um, but um, most, the majority of it is, you know, I get, I get it, and it's completely silent, and there's never been any music, and it's just a matter of, um, of
0: bringing it to life, pretty much,
1: of, of creating new musical images, as it were.
0: Yeah. Um, so kind of in your, in your opinion, why do you think Tom and Jerry has, how, how come they have survived in pop culture all these years? I mean, we are talking about the start of 1940 and it's 2017 and we still have the show, you know, uh, what, in your opinion, why has these characters have, you know, survived this long?
1: Well, I mean, I guess the cat and the mouse are iconic, symbolic, um, you know, there's a there's there's something that's sort of universal about that relationship. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's primal and it's, um, you know, I I, I guess you know, cats and, and mice are things that you know have have a relationship, have a natural relationship in the world, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and is what it is. And there's a kind of a hierarchical thing there. And the fact that sometimes, or very often, the mouse can can outsmart the well, at least I don't know in the real world, but in the cartoon, the, the mouse Jerry, you know, does does outsmart the cat, and and that can lead to comical moments. Um, I don't know. Uh, other than the universality of of the cat and the mouse, um, there is just there's something endearing about those characters. I, I actually I don't I don't know.
0: I think yeah, for me, it's I mean, growing up with that just. They're unique because they don't speak. I mean, you have Sylvester and Tweety, but, you know, they, those, those are talking characters. You know, Roadrunner and and Coyote, Wally Coyote is kind of in that fashion where there's no dialogue. But I think the no dialogue and just the, I don't know, the slapstick comedy of it, and I don't know, it's just something about it. It's, just, it's so entertaining, and it's, you know.
1: It can be. And, and also one of the, um, you know, in contrast to, like, the, you mentioned Roadrunner, um, that was kind of the same gag over and over with different because, variations, yeah. right? And Tom and Jerry is not that at all. You know, there's all sorts of, especially, interestingly, I don't know if you know this, but in the new show, um, there are these, we have sort of parallel um, kind of series where, so there's the classic cat and the mouse where they live in a house. And, you know, the, the cat is sort of the house pet. And then there's a rodent living in the walls. And the humans seem to be unaware of that. Right. And, and the you know but Tom is aware and and they have their antagonistic relationship but then there's um, there's a uh, another series that's sort of a subseries within this show um, that they refer to as Downton tabby <laughs> and it's basically it's obviously based on the television sh- the PBS show Downton Abbey or I guess it was a, was it a BBC show I forget um, and uh, the you know the uh, the premise is that uh, it's a you know early 20th century English manor somewhere in the countryside, I guess northern. Yeah. And there's uh, this house cat who is a servant cat named Tom, and uh, you know, and the, uh, um, the the butler who I guess his name was Carson on Downton Abbey, and he's his name is Cates on this show. Uh-huh he he finds that there you know there's a there's a mouse living in the house and and tom's job is is to get the mouse before the the aristocrats find find out and freak out but of course tom is incompetent and so it turns so hilarity ensues um and so this is uh you know i've i've done i don't know four or five of those so far and and um and that's a whole other premise and it's and that's a whole other kind of fun thing there's there's also these detective shows where tom and jerry play detectives and they have to solve crimes, and it's very you know film noir. It's sort of this Raymond Chandler kind of, um, you know, uh, Humphrey Bogart style, uh, ni- you know, nineteen thirties, nineteen forties detective thing. Yeah. And so the music is very you know film noir, which is which is a lot of fun. Um, and then there's there's a new one that that we're starting up called uh, that we're calling Catsylvania, which is based in you know. Uh, early 1930s horror um and uh and and they're all quite quite different but still the common thread is is the cat and the mouse but their relationship sometimes is different and it's it's fun um
0: yeah that sounds i mean it just sounds like there's so many layers and everything it sounds fantastic and and um it airs on cartoon network which is you know Uh, I actually work at Cartoon Network Studios, so it's oh, you do nice. (laughs) I do. Uh, It's not. It's a Warner Brothers show, so I I actually work at the studio that makes our originals, so you know Adventure Time and stuff like that. But it's airing on the network that shares the space with our shows, um, so it's part of the family. And um, so, but if you had to pick one to kind of uh, you know a question to end it, uh, uh, if you had to pick one other classic cartoon character that you would love to write music for be it from, you know, the Warner Brothers family or the Disney camp, you know, Silly Symphonies or Looney Tunes or the MGM world, you know, what what would it be? Or who wow, who would, another, would it be?
1: Another character. Hmm.
0: Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd. I mean, who would be fun? Top of your list.
1: <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, um, I don't I, I'm I'm bending the question a bit, okay. but Um, (laughs) I, I do, I gotta tell you, like, uh, it's been, it's been a few, a few years since I've seen the Simpsons, but I used to love that show. I think I would love to, to work on, um, you know, a show, a show like that, or, or, uh, I did see a a few episodes of Futurama, which I think might've been some of the same, the same people, um, who made that. So, I mean, you know, there's so many great cartoons and, um, I guess, I guess my answer, Clumsy answer to your question might be that I I think I might want to seek out new characters um, to you know what when you're when you're writing music for for ex- existing established characters you know there's a, there's a history there and you're 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 following in other people's footsteps and standing on their shoulders and it might be nice I might be interested in in um, scoring. A character that that's new that doesn't have that pedigree and maybe that doesn't have the history and, and create create something new
0: well that's a great answer <laughs> and uh, uh Vivek, i just want to thank you again for your time this evening and and you know i've always been a, such a huge fan of your work and, and thank you uh, it was such great chatting with you and i hope we get to do it again soon
1: okay